This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome to Podcast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's NHL hockey podcast show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My partner on these pods, once again, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJScholes24. On today's podcast, we're going to take a look at the early returns and the free agent frenzy and the resulting cap issues with teams as they continue to shape their rosters. AJ, this period is a time where teams tend to overpay for some players and leave a number of others in limbo while fantasy players have to try and understand all these changes to all the teams. What catches your eye in general during this period every year? I think you have to be thinking about ice time and opportunities, looking at players uh, moving to new teams. Now, obviously, there's going to be impacts on the guys that stay um, you know, so you got to look at that as well. But uh, primarily for me, I tend to draw uh, towards guys that go to new places. You know, is this player going to be top six now where he wasn't before or vice versa? Was he a top six player on another team? Now he's going to be, you know, a third line role. Uh, is he going to be uh, on a good team and that's going to boost his numbers? Or is he going to be like the lone offensive player on a bad team? We talked a lot about uh, John Tavares last year in that sense, kind of the lone quality offensive guy on a bad team uh and then you know you do have to look at line combinations who who are they generally going to play with obviously that changes game to game night to night uh shift to shift honestly uh, a lot of times in today's nhl but uh so you got to look at those line combination power play numbers are also uh, something you really need to take into consideration is is a guy going to a team that's already got a stacked power play he's not really going to fit in there or is he going to replace somebody else you talk about Patrick Marlowe going to Toronto. I have to imagine he's going to be on the power play there. So somebody else is going to get knocked off, what the impact that's going to have. Uh, So you really have to think about all those things. So that's really what draws my eye. Uh, But, you know, as always, before we kick off the rest of the show, just remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about uh, the upcoming season, uh, if you've got some off-season trade moves you're talking about, players you're thinking about picking up, uh, keepers that you want to hold on to or just hockey in general uh, tweet at us and we'll try and answer your questions 
Uh, as Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJ Scholes 24. You can follow Paul, the stats man, at statsman22. Well, and on today's show, we're going to go through each team's uh, rosters and see what they've done so far this summer. But we'll also remind fans and listeners that later on this summer, before the season starts, we'll do a detailed division-by-division preview. And we'll go in depth here in terms of where they stand at that point. But right now, we'll give a preliminary glance. And all the points that you raised are key in terms of our eventual analysis before the season starts. That was a great way way to tee it up, AJ. Let's kick it off with the Anaheim ducks uh, the move that caught my eye so far two of them actually they, before the the free agent frenzy they were the talk of the nhl almost with the number of defensemen that they had on their roster that might be interest of interest to other teams but they managed to lock up all their top guys and in addition to that they they uh, ba- bolstered their backup goaltending substantially by signing ryan miller who finally agreed to take on a backup role and uh, go over to the to the state of California from Vancouver. You knew that this, this guy was going to stay on the west side of the map of North America, given that was his preference. And uh, I think this is a great fit and uh, look forward to seeing what it might mean to this team going down the road. So big move there from for, for Anaheim. They are up against the cap uh, in a big way, though. Uh, it, it looks like they have uh, signed up all their defensemen and all their roster players. There's 23 players signed. That's the maximum, AJ. They actually have a bit of space, $4 million. So you might think of them uh, down the stretch to make a move to, to fit somebody into their roster, but they certainly are capped out in terms of the number of NHL contracts that, can, that they can take on right now. Yeah, I, I'm not as big on the move for Ryan Miller. Um, you know, I, I guess in a backup role, he'll, he'll be fine. Um, but I think really they, they need some uh, maybe... Uh, I would prefer somebody a little more uh, solid... They're paying him almost as much as they're paying John Gibson, which, uh, honestly, that probably speaks more to the fact that they need to give John Gibson a new contract. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's only making 2.3 this year, whereas Ryan Miller's making 2 mil. Um, so I, I don't love the signing. Um, I, I like, you know, they, they also brought in Red O'Bara on a one-year deal. He'll probably end up in the minors at the start of the season. Uh, so not a huge uh, hit there. Uh, but neither one of those guys has been really great in the past a couple of years at least ryan miller and his time with buffalo was outstanding uh so if he can kind of settle into a backup role maybe that's the right the right move there but with all the options out there i i didn't love um those signings uh so that that's kind of how i feel about them but moving uh to our team south in the desert our first of two teams now in the desert yeah. uh looking at the arizona coyotes uh, they brought in a, a, a number of players, nothing real flashy. Uh, Adam Glendening coming in, Nick Cousins from Philadelphia, uh, a couple minor league guys, Michael Lotta, and uh, the one I kind of like the most there, Emerson Etum. He signed a one-year deal. He, he'll add some uh, a little bit of toughness to that squad. I think the biggest things to talk about with this team, though, are the guys that left. Uh, they're not going to bring back Shane Doan. That's a huge organizational shift. He's been with them since they were the Jets. Yeah. Uh, Redeem Vibrata has gone as well. Uh, so they're looking a, a little bit of a different team. I, I don't like them losing Vibrata. They've got $21 million in cap space. You can't tell me they couldn't have fit him in somehow uh, somewhere. Uh, they do still need to fill out about four spots. They're at 19 right now. Uh, so uh, those are kind of the moves that caught my eye. Any any thoughts from you on them, Paul? Well, the big name up front has got to be Derek Stepan. They plucked him from the Rangers in a big offseason deal. And so he's going to be probably handed the number one uh, center role. A guy, good, solid two-way player, but nowhere near the front line. 
around the NHL of top-end centers. It's just that he's the best that they've got, and they locked him up for uh, four years at $6.5 million, which speaks kind of more to how much money they have left to spend in, in uh, the salary cap issue. So they added him up front. They added Nicholas Jalmerson on defense. He's got two years at $4.1 million on his contract remaining. And in goal, they brought in Antti Ranta in the same trade with the Rangers. I think finally this guy's going to get a chance to be a de facto starter in the NHL. He's only got a million-dollar price tag on him, so fabulous contract there. He's a UFA at the end of the season, so you got you got to think if he has a big year, he's going to hold somebody up for ransom. So uh, the moves here are such that that there's a lot of cap space. There's a I think they're they're on the low end of the talent scale around the NHL, but uh, it's a land of opportunity for for players that have, are coming here for the first year and it'll be interesting to see how they mesh with the remainder that uh, hang on there i'm kind of surprised actually that they didn't move, make a move with oliver ekman larson so it remains to be seen whether he might be pedal at some point he's uh, doesn't fit in with with the rest of this team right now he's such a much better player than most of the rest of the guys here so uh we'll see if anything happens over there uh, in uh, in that situation uh, in terms of the next well what do you think about the uh, the arizona situation i rambled on there a little bit <laughs> I, I I like uh, kind of uh, what what they've tried to do to get younger, but I don't think they're doing it the right way. Yeah. Um, I just you know that's so much cap space to let a guy like Vibrata go. I mean, I guess if you're just trying to be terrible and and stock up <laughs> some draft picks, but they don't even get the benefit of that. I mean, uh, there there's just so much that this team just seems to do wrong. It, it honestly just seems like a place for you know bad contracts to be stashed it's like a, a dumping ground for the league absolutely up next uh, the boston bruins this is a team that i i have a particular eye on since they're in a, a division that i pay most close atten- attention to in terms of the players that they signed it's a bunch of fringe guys kenny agostino jordan schwartz paul postma uh, Tim Schaller signed a one-year deal. In net, Malcolm Zuban and uh, Zane McIntyre are going to battle for backup time. They both signed two-way contracts with the Bees. And uh, in terms of, of free agents, they still have David Pasternak unsigned. He's a restricted free agent. You know they're going to get him done. Ryan Spooner as well. So uh, they they are looking inwards. They didn't really make go out too far, I don't think. They lost Dominic Moore to the Leafs, which I think is an interesting fourth-line move for Toronto. We'll get to that later. Uh, Drew Stafford remains unsigned, but he'll probably land somewhere. He manages to find work every year. He's just one of those fringe guys that can <laughs> score that people take chances on. What's your read on the Boston situation, AJ? Yeah, I don't love the move uh, on Malcolm Subban bringing him back for two years. I mean, they've got Anton Kudobin as, as a confirmed kind of backup yeah. that they'll have to Tuka Rask. Uh, and Subban has just been a disaster every time he's gotten called up. Uh, Zane McIntyre didn't fare particularly well this season, but I think he's got um, a little more long-term potential. Those guys will battle it out for ice time uh, with AHL Providence. Uh, but I think ultimately I, I would have just had them take, you know, McIntyre and, and let Subban walk at this point. But a two year, two way, they're probably not paying him that much anyway. So what's the harm in that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do really like the Kenny Augustino uh, signing. He lit it up last year in, in the minors with uh, the Chicago Wolves. He put up 24 goals, 59 assists and 65 games. So he had a great year. Uh, his uh postseason for them as well had 10 points in 10 games so he's really a a 
a seemingly solid talent. Now he got seven games with the blues last year, got three points in those outings. So this is a player that I think could be uh, up playing in Boston sooner rather than later. Yeah. And one, one, one final point here is they've only spent 62 million under the cap. They've got room for four more players. You wonder if there's a big splash down the road with a guy like Matt Duchesne in the mix here. That's, that's something I'm looking out for Boston because you know, they're going to be one of the teams that wants to spend to the cap. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would expect them to make a, a few more moves, um, but we'll see. Now, speaking of a team that has not hesitated to make moves, we'll head over to Buffalo uh, on Western New York there. They have signed a ton of players, a lot of changes in their system. Bennett Pouliot comes over from Edmonton, Chad Johnson to serve, maybe as a backup, maybe as a starter. It's kind of a really gray area what's going on there in net for them. Uh, Matt Tennyson on, on defense, Seth Griffin. Uh, Jakob Josephson's coming in. He'll add some veteran experience on that team uh, and a, a couple minor league guys as well. Uh, Johan Larson signs. So there's really a lot going on for this team right now. They've got some uh, UFAs still out there too. Zimis uh, Gergesen is still, he's a restricted free agent. Uh, Nathan Boylo, who they traded for, is a restricted free agent. And then potential starting goaltender Robin Lerner is also a restricted free agent. So, uh, Paul, any read from you on what the goaltending situation is going to look like there? Well, like you said, you'd like to see Chad Johnson get a shot. He is in his second go-round with the Sabres, so there's going to be a level of comfort there. But they put a lot of hope into Robin Leonard. You know they're going to sign this guy. He's only 25 years of age. Got the good size that most NHL teams are looking for in net. And, uh, but it's his temperament, AJ. We saw him have a couple of mental flare-ups last year that really caused me to con- a little bit of concern here. So uh, Chad Z- Johnson may be more than your average backup, and it's indicated by the contract that he signed there, $2.5 million. He's going to get a solid shot here, I think. And uh, behind a team that's uh, t- tending upwards in terms of the talent they've amassed around him, could be a good opportunity for whichever goalie emerges. Yeah, and they do still have, uh, you know, they've got three more guys to get. I menace, you know, you add those three RFAs, they'll be up to a full 23, yeah. but 14 million in cap space. So they'll, they'll probably spend a good chunk of that on, on those three guys, but we'll see how it shakes up from there. Yeah, and uh, then we go up to Canada and we take a look at the Calgary Flames situation, AJ. This is a team that also is trending up. You, They're really loaded on defense. Boy, they added... Uh, Travis Hamannick in a deal and uh, I, I don't think you'll be hard-pressed to tell me that there's a better group of defensemen uh, one through six uh, Matt Bartkowski looks like the number six guy but they got Michael Stone a young up-and-coming defenseman he's 27 years old he's been around the league for a while I guess but uh, I, I think a, a lot of him and I think a lot of Hamannick and they've also got already got Giordano Hamilton and Brody so that's a pretty good one through six and also in the nets they've added mike smith who is a workman like goalie he'll take a big load uh, and and be a big upgrade i think in the nets over there eddie lack comes over as a backup so their tandem in that is brand new and i think one of the the better tandems in the western conference so i'm looking for a big improvement at the back end for for the flames and up front you know some of their young guys their leaders on this team godreau and monahan they're maturing now and uh, they're being paid like it too they're they've hit the pay window both of them north of six million dollars on a cap hit and they're expecting to lead this team to greater things down the road so i like what's going on there matthew tuchuk is a guy also uh, still on his entry level deal had a great rookie season aj and so things are looking up uh, in, in calgary 
Well, they have some un, uh, unfinished business as well. They got to get Sam Bennett under contract. Uh, he's another up and comer. He's 21 years old, restricted free agent, but he's coming off a pretty uh, solid year. So that's uh, kind of their one thing they need to get done. Now, Paul, you and I have gone back and forth on Mike Smith in the past. I'm not as big of a fan. <laughs> I don't, uh, you know, some people will blame it on the team that he had around him. And that was obviously the case when he got uh, taken to represent Arizona in the uh, um, the All-Star game last year. And so uh, a lot of people obviously think much higher of him than I do. I wouldn't be surprised to see Eddie Lack starting in goal at some point later down the road. I just don't think Mike Smith is a top-end netminder. Um, and this is a team that does, as you mentioned, Paul, they've got some good pieces coming together. Uh, and I think it's a team that could compete uh, for some uh, a deep run in the playoffs. But I think it's going to come down to net mining. And I'm not sold on Mike Smith personally. So for me, I expect Eddie Lack to maybe uh, take over the starting role at some point. Well, you got uh, you. Listen, you got a loony out of me in Vegas. I gave you that. That was more of a nod to your first child. I'll let you know. Other than the bets that we made, because I think they were pretty even down the line. But we might be talking about our first loony bet of the new year here. Uh, Mike Smith, 35 years old. He's faced a lot of rubber in his career, but he's been behind a pretty terrible team, and that's why I'm looking for an upgrade here over a guy that can handle a workload. It's and with combined with Eddie Lack, I, I know it's a great insurance policy there, but I think they're really looking better in goal than they were. Uh, over the last couple of years so uh, i i'll stand by that comment and we'll see where we land uh, aj <laughs> well I, I have to say they they had their fix last year with you know brian elliott was supposed to be the, the yeah, fix last flop. year chad chad johnson was supposed to be the fix as well uh so two new goalies it didn't work out last year i don't think it's going to work out this year either uh but as you mentioned we'll settle that down the road uh speaking of eddie lack he came over from carolina that's the next team we'll take a look at here big uh signing here is justin williams to the two-year contract a uh, couple other minor guys here josh joris brendan kitchen uh they do uh lose uh michael layton i don't think that's going to be a huge loss to them uh their backup goaltending situation is pretty solid there with cam ward as their backup uh under scott darling I think the interesting thing is the Justin Williams contract yeah. for me. I think it's a little too high, 4.5 million over the ne- uh, each of the next two years at 35 years old. But we'll see how that shakes out. Now, this is a team. I, I mentioned all of the the uh, signings there, but they did a lot in uh, trades here right around the draft. Uh, you talk about uh, Marcus Kruger's down there now, uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk. I mean, this has kind of become. Uh, Chicago South, if you will, <laughs> the number of Blackhawks on this team. Uh, so I, I do think there's some improvement there uh, as, as far as contract and cap situation. They've got plenty of room left, 17 million under the cap uh, with only two contracts to fill out. So this is a team that could spend if they feel like they need to bolster it a little bit more. Uh, Paul, what do you think about what they've done down there? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing Scott Darling get a shot at a number one role. This guy was a backup in Chicago for a long while and and really showed well when he had an opportunity to play a string of games in behind that solid team. They didn't really miss a beat from Corey Crawford. So that's a nod to him in the Nets. And they also have Cam Ward still, a lifer in Carolina. He's 33 years old. You know, I, I think he's been there so long. I, I thought I was surprised by finding out he's still in his early 30s. So there's some, some life left in him that I, I think here and they've got a young, 
what is regarded as one of the fastest young teams in the NHL. There's a lot of uh, players that have said, boy, you might not know a lot of these guys as household names, but they've got a quick group. And on defense, I, I, love, I love the mix. Noah Hannafin was a high pick a couple of years ago. He's coming along as a defenseman and uh, is ready to take on big minutes over there. Justin Falk, one of the better power play defensemen every year in fantasy as a guy that you always have to look out for. They also spent a lot of money on, uh, on a guy like Jacob Slavin, committing to him long term at north of $5 million. That's the one deal out of all the moves that they made was a little excessive, I thought, AJ. They bought out some of the years of, of his free agency uh, to get a cap number that was uh, higher than I think it should have been. When I look at some of the comparables around the league, that might be a contract that comes back to uh, to bug these this team since it is not a cap team. Uh, that's my only concern, really from uh, from what they've done uh, like you said i like the moves bringing in the pedigree from chicago that's a winning organization so you like the fact that uh, that they looked that way and speaking of the hawks that's a team that we'll take a look at next and it's interesting to me that they brought back uh, patrick sharp he had his best years with the hawks he came back for a song uh, in terms of the, the contract situation to fit in under the cap you know that this team was pooched that way when they, they have Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves locked up to some of the biggest contracts in the NHL they also complimented this group with Tommy Wingles a serviceable uh, lower six kind of guy up front in goal Jean-Francois Barube finally gets uh, a chance to be a goalie other than uh, sitting in the press box I, I think he'll be he'll be backing up in the Chicago situation or at least in a battle for that uh, so hopefully his lot improves they also added Lance Buma a tough guy with uh, his former mates in Calgary and Eric Gust- uh, Gustafson is another guy who agreed to a one-year contract with Chicago they tinkered around the edges they haven't got uh, enough money for a big splash uh, some relief will be provided though with Marian Hosa's situation he had an infection AJ that's been revealed that's going to cause him to probably sit possibly sit out the year and so he'll go, go on long-term IR so when we look at the cap situation you can subtract five million dollars from the money owing to to players in the Hawks circumstance that gives him a little bit more latitude than you might expect at first glance your thoughts yeah, I think what they'll do uh, is use that on defense. Uh, they've got the kind of the two big guys in, in Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith. Uh, Connor Murphy's serviceable. But beyond that, I'm not as sold on, on Michael Kempe and, and Michael Roosevelt. So I think they need to bolster that still. Um, I don't like the Baroub signing. He'll spend the year in the minors, I think. I think Anton Forsberg will ultimately yeah. win out uh, in that job. So I, I'm not sold on that. You mentioned Patrick Sharp coming back over. Clearly, they're trying to redo uh, their teams, their cup-winning teams from the past. They brought back Brandon Saad via trade as well. Uh, so they're basically trying to put the old band back together to see what they can do. I'm not totally certain it's going to work out for them. Uh, you know, they don't have a, a ton of uh, player. You know, nobody that they've really lost is going to have an impact on on too many uh, teams around the league more kind of fringe guys as as you mentioned previously uh, so ultimately I, I really just think maybe a defender there kind of with that five million uh, in relief they'll get from uh, from Hosa uh, long-term IR in uh, in the mile high city they've made a couple of moves here uh, Jonathan Bernier a one-year deal I think that's a great decision to to bring him in as a backup uh, another couple of fringe minor league guys uh, and then Nail Yakupov gets another contract with another team. How this guy keeps finding work, I don't really know. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens there. 
this team hasn't really changed much from last year. I think the biggest loss is Mikhail Gregor- Gregorenko is heading to the KHL. That's how much he doesn't want to play for this team anymore uh, with how bad they've been. They've got about 12 and a half mil uh, in cap space, a little over, but a ton of contracts left to still find. They're only at 17 of the 23 right now. So they're going to have to either bring some guys up. Uh, they do have restricted free agents, Matt Nito and Nikita Zadarov out there, but neither one of those guys is going to make a huge impact. In, in my opinion, the biggest question mark is on defense. You look at yeah. signed guys on their team. They've only got three defenders in Eric Johnson, Tyson Berry and Mark Barbaro. So you have to imagine they're going to spend that money there, but they don't really, I mean, 12 and a half million is a lot, but it's not really going to sustain them. In, in my opinion, to bolster a huge blue line like that. Uh, I think the best move is Jonathan Bernier, in my opinion. Um, but the, we'll see what happens. He might beat out Varlamov as, as far as I'm concerned. He has struggled even when he's been healthy. So we'll see how that shakes out. So that's kind of my take on what's going on in Colorado. Paul, what do you see from them? Well, they got to end this Matt Duchesne saga, AJ. It's been going on too long. This guy has been labeled a bit of a malcontent in the media. And uh, Joe Sackick's got a real problem on his hands here because he's one of their signature players, assistant captain on this club. He's got a $6 million price tag uh, with two more years left on it, so he's controllable for a couple of seasons. And I think in the right circumstance, he can revive his career. He needs to... He needs to move, okay? Uh, Unlike uh, Nate McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog, these continue to be serviceable players with with good pedigree, and they're younger than Duchesne as well at 21 and 24 years, respectively. So I look for the Duchesne situation to to come to a climax before the season starts it needs to to give these guys the latitude to spend money on defense they have to bolster their blue line and really rid themselves of a problem up front so the, the two those two issues will go hand in hand i like you can't believe that niall yakupov got another chance because he's a guy that just has not lived up to uh, his junior rankings he was number one dra- draft pick overall in his draft year one of the failed picks in edmonton and he's bounced around like crazy now he signed for the paltry 875 grand so uh, this might be last chance to for him uh, we go on next then to the columbus blue jackets this is a team that every year you wonder okay which team are we going to see the big bruising team that is hard to play against or a team that underachieves uh, in terms of what they've done this offseason it's kind of meh for me you know uh, they've got uh, free agents that are unsigned uh, restricted types josh anderson alex wenderberg wenberg's a guy they got to get under control uh, in terms of uh, UFA losses. Well, they lost uh, TJ Tyne and Oscar Dansk to uh, both to Vegas. So a couple of uh, other insignificant moves to me. This is a team that uh, largely has stood pat. And and you wonder, maybe they they think they're as good as they showed last year in stretches. They certainly gave your Pittsburgh Penguins a run for the money all season long and into the playoffs. So they're not far off uh, from being uh, a top-end team that, that can go far into the playoffs. They just have to get over the hump in that division. Of course, that means beating Pittsburgh and Washington out, so challenge for them. But I like this team, top to bottom. Uh, they're a rugged team when they play their game. To- uh, they've got some solid guys on the blue line. I love Seth Jones back there. He's controlled over Zach Wierenski had a fabulous junior uh, uh, first season in the NHL. He's uh, on the second year of his entry level. So I, I just think uh, things are in place here for, to do what they did last year. I would agree. And I, I think uh, the, the move for Panarin, I, I, I think it's a good deal for them. Uh, you know, the swap for Panarin yeah, for yeah. Saad. Uh, so I think that'll help them out. Uh, they do 
you know, they do need about two more guys. And I think maybe all you're going to see them maybe add here at the end is uh, some bottom six scoring. Maybe uh, maybe there's a couple of vets out there that are still available that might be able to fit in. You know, maybe they take a look at uh, a Drew Stafford to kind of come in. Thomas Vanek. Uh, both are guys that maybe could fit into this system. I mean, who knows? Maybe even Shane Doan heading up that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's obviously not going to be the same player he used to be, but I think he could provide some depth scoring. So I really think that's all you're going to see out of them. The The top of their lineup is solid. Uh, their defense, as you mentioned, is great, especially, uh, you know, I'll, I'll mention Zach Wierenski again. He was just so good last year. And in the pipes, they got Bobrovsky. So there's no real concerns on this team for what they have so a couple more pieces that'll be added in the coming weeks is is all i expect another team that's had a ton of turnover uh is the dallas stars uh, things have really changed there as well uh, martin hansel signs with them patrick niemeth re-ups with them they bring in alexander radulov right. they got the the kind of big uh ticket guy out there brian flynn comes in on a one-year a red uh, radic fasca uh, they really just a ton of guys brought in on this team to really change it up. And so this this team is going to look nothing like what you saw last year. Uh, they made the move to get Ben Bishop. So their goaltending situation is going to look different. They traded for Mark Mathot as well. I mean, this is really a very, very different team. Uh, they've got all, almost no space left, uh, but they do have all their contracts in. So I don't expect them to do much. They've got about 800,000 left but 23 uh, spots taken. So I don't expect much more out of them. Paul, what do you think of the new look Dallas Stars? Well, I, I think that it makes them one of the more interesting teams to try and forecast in the upcoming season. I, I like the move in the Nets to bring Bishop in. you got to think they're going to hand him the reins and make uh, Lettinen battle for playing time. If Bishop can turn back the clock to what he did a couple of years ago in Tampa, that really solidifies things because that was a glaring weak spot on this team that you nailed right out of camp last year, despite the fact they had two other veterans in, in the Nets, Lettinen and Niemi. Niemi's gone now from the circumstance, and uh, that's really largely where I'm going to be focused on their defense. Uh, certainly Mathot was a major upgrade in terms of the defensive side of the puck, but I look for the continued development of a guy like Klingberg to to really carry the flag there on the blue line. And up front, of course, they've got a wealth of talent that they added Radulov to. He's got to be happy with his contract lot. And Martin Hansel locks down the second role at center and should see a spike in his scoring totals surrounded by some better talent here, AJ. So one of the more compelling teams that we look as we look forward and uh, a team that's probably headed in the other direction is up next that's the Detroit Red Wings they're heading into a new re- arena Little Caesars and you know that I'm friendly with uh, their senior VP Jimmy DeVolano and Jimmy was quite candid with me saying you know what we got some work to do here and it began in the offseason with signing uh, Trevor Daly out of the uh, Penguins ranks I know that's got to be a bit, bit of an ouchie for you because Daly was a very key part of what the Pens have done the last couple of years in my opinion they've also to round out changes on their defense, uh, re-upped uh, Xavier Willette and uh, defenseman Luke Witkowski added uh, to a two-year deal here. They've got a couple of restricted free agents that are, that are a bit of an issue for them. They've got to get uh, Athanasiu and Tatar signed for sure. Robbie Russo is probably the next wave of talent. 
that's going to be uh, in the mix in Detroit. They're going to get younger before they get better, I think, AJ. And so uh, that's the read on the, this team. It's, it's a pretty easy call to think they're not going to be a playoff participant, and that's going to irk some of our buddies at the home office. They've got 20 players signed. They've, they're up near the cap, too, with some of the, the high-end money that they've got tied up. So really, they've got uh, some heavy lifting to do before things turn around in Detroit. I think the biggest question mark for them is what's going to happen with Tatar. Right. Uh, there's talk he wants a seven-year deal, uh, so that's yeah. really going to cost them a lot. They're not going to be able to just spend that $2 million they have left. Now, they do still have the Johan Franzen contract on them. That's about $4 million, uh, so they'll put him back on long-term IR as he has been for all of last season and get some relief yeah. there. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is they have to get rid of Mrazek. Um, he's taken up $4 million. He's everything we're hearing out of them is that they, they exposed him because he was a pain in the butt basically. Yeah. Um, and hard to deal with, hard to work with. Uh, so if they can get rid of him, that's 4 million. Even if they have to keep some of that salary, I think everything will help. They need to get AA under contract too. I mean, that's kind of their priority, uh, heading into the rest of the off season. But I do like the Trevor Daly signing a big fan of his, uh three years for a 33 year old that's that's a pretty big deal um especially at about 3.1 million a year 3.2 uh so it's it's a big contract and you know he'll he'll do well for them i think but uh, it's interesting that they're willing to pay so much and that's probably why he left and why the penguins weren't uh in the the talks to re-sign him we move on to edmonton back up into canada here couple uh you know interesting signings here UC Jokinen comes up to Edmonton. I think he'll add some some solid depth to them. Uh, Johan Atuve w- should bolster a defensive group that was a little uh, underwhelming last year. Uh, Dylan Simpson got a one-year deal. Uh, you know, a kind of a couple, a handful of minor league guys, Ty Ratty, uh, Callahan, Stanton. And so not a ton of huge, uh, you know, signings as far as that goes. Obviously, the big deal uh, for Edmonton was to get, uh, you know, to get uh, Connor McDavid under contract. Now, they'll get him for just a million bucks this year, actually a little bit under. Um, but then next year is when the, the big, big deal kicks in. They sign that as an extension. They do need to get Leon Dreisaitl under contract as well. He's a restricted free agent now. So uh, I think that's their biggest headache going forward. Uh, talking about the roster size, they're at 23. That's without... Uh, you know, without having dry side on their contract. So they'll probably have to move, you know, one of their defensemen either down to the minors or uh, to get him off the, off the books there. They've got plenty of room right now to pay dry side. But as I mentioned next year, Connor McDavid is going to take 12.5 of the 16.8 that they have available now. So what that leaves for dry side is kind of a question mark. I would say their biggest loss, Jordan, Jordan Osterley headed to Chicago, um, but other than that, you know, this is a team that's going to be good. As they, as I said, they just have to figure out Drysaddle. Your thoughts, Paul? Yeah, I, I know that they have a lot of room under the cap ceiling, but this is a, not, a team that doesn't spend to the cap right now. Maybe they'll be compelled to do so, and, and signing Drysaddle will eat up a lot of what's left. So it'll, I'll be curious to see just what the price tag is for him. But you got to really hand it to the agents for uh, Connor McDavid. They, they knew they had 
the the club over a barrel. What can you say if this guy make if they make an offer? It's pretty much got to be a blank contract that the that the Oilers must be willing to accept because you can't irk who might a player who might be the signature player in the league for the next several years. That's not a shot across the bow, AJ, with your your buddy Sidney there. But absolutely it's not. Just just the truth right now that McDavid's a young guy, twenty years old, and on the precipice of a huge career and uh, leading the Oilers back to the promised land he took them pretty fair distance last year and uh, this uh, this is a core group that's, that's fairly young uh, with the exception of Milan Lucic so I think better days are ahead for these guys uh, interesting that they shed a couple of players in the offseason that were uh, of interest to me so uh, it's a bit of a new look up front as well with Ryan Strom coming in into the mix here I think he's going to provide a little more stability better two-way play than uh, Jordan Eberle, uh, who departs the scene uh, for greener pastures in New, New York Islanders situation. So an interesting move there for me. Uh, the Florida Panthers, you know what? Uh, I'll say this. The best move that they did, in my opinion, was off the ice, giving Dale Talon control of this team once again. They really floundered when he moved up into the executive suite and uh, putting him back in the GM's chair. Uh, you see what he's done in the offseason, signing a lot of players here, including Verbata, Evgeny Dadanov. He was a, a, foreign, a foreigner who comes across the pond to, to join the club. Uh, Michael Haley gets a two-year deal. Uh, Alex Petrovic, Mike, Mike, Mark Pizik come back to solidify a blue line. Uh, they're uh, in limbo. They've got the, the ageless veteran, Yarmer Jagger. You wonder if he's got one more kick at the cat. AJ, I'll be curious to see if he lands anywhere in the NHL. Thomas Vanek, I know a favorite of some of our buddies uh, at the head office too, uh, formerly of the Detroit Red Wings, so I'll be curious to see where he fits in. A uh, sniper that could fit in as a second line forward uh, some power play opportunity there for him as well so those are two names in limbo right now that you wonder where they're where they're going to move but this is a team that I look for bigger and better things now that they have the right guy back in the GM's chair they've got some work to do they've got five more contracts that they have to sign they have about 11 million dollars in cap space to go Uh, what say you about the Florida Panthers I think this is a team that should have been good last year. I mean, we yeah. they had some injuries, and that obviously set them back. But I don't think there's any reason that they should have been that you know beset and and down in the dumps last year because of uh, those injuries. So hopefully, bringing in a guy like Vibrata and uh, Dadnoff, you know, he has really shown some talent. He's 28. They've got him locked up four million a year for the next three years. Uh, so they've got some really good talented guys here I, I do think they would uh, it would help them to kind of bolster uh, their their depth scoring again you look at the top of this lineup and you got Huberto, Barkov, Trocek, Bugstad mm-hmm. I mentioned Vibrata and Dadnoff already I mean uh, even Derek McKenzie in there I mean that's a heavy heavy top end so it's really going to come down to what they can do on those bottom six lines their defense isn't going to like wow anybody but you know Ekblad and Yandel are both uh, solid defenders the kind of question for me still is is Roberto Luongo I mean they exposed him in the draft I'm not sure if there's any hard feelings about that or if you know they talked to him up front about it what what they did there but I I thought that was interesting that they protected Reamer and exposed Luongo he is 38 um, but they've got him under contract for seemingly forever they've got him <laughs> under contract till uh, the 21 22 season yeah so that's another five years uh i doubt he's going to play out that deal so i yeah. find that kind of interesting 
I expect they'll end up in a buyout situation. I mentioned UC Jokinen joining Edmonton. Uh, that was a player that they did buy out of, of his contract. They wanted to get out from his one-year deal. So a uh, couple different tweaks to this team. Uh, I think they should have been better than they, they were last year. And so if they can put it all together this year under new management, well, actually old management and uh, some new coaching, uh, they should be a solid team. Now, a team that I also have some question marks about is Los Angeles, where we'll head next. Uh, they added some pieces. Uh, most of what they did was re-signing guys. Uh, they did add Michael Camilleri. Uh, Christian Follin comes over from Minnesota. Darcy Kemper uh, to, to bolster that, that backup goaltending situation. Although I thought Jeff Zakoff did uh, serviceable. The rest of their guys, mostly kind of minor league re-signing uh, players on the edge or, uh, that may or may not get time. So they really just kind of locked up their RFAs, brought in a couple pieces. They didn't really lose anybody. They didn't have a whole lot of guys uh, that were potential uh, unrestricted free agents. So this team looking pretty similar with a couple boosts, um, but I do still have concerns. You know, they... You know, the, the Jonathan Quick injury obviously was a big deal last year. Um, but another team, I think, that underperformed. And I'm not sure that they're going to find a way to bring it back. Uh, Paul, what say you? Well, I'm concerned about the column that shows their ages. This team is getting older, AJ. They've got a number of guys in their 30s. This is a younger man's game right now. We've seen the influx of youth in the NHL. It just doesn't materialize on this roster. Their youngest guy up front uh, is... Uh, it's a regular top six guy is Tanner Pearson at 24 years of age. They need to get younger before they'll get better. I think this is a team quite like the Hawks. They've had their nice run. They're the two best franchises in terms of success in post-salary cap era, but both teams, I think, are headed for that limbo stage where they have to do some some rebuilding. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the impact of a healthy Jonathan Quick. They got great goaltending from his uh, replacements last year, but I think uh, just having their, their uh, I'll say, their team MVP over the last five years back in the fold and a full uh, back at uh, full health, uh, it, that could be the biggest gain that, they, that you see out of this squad. Uh, they'll go as far as he'll take them. Uh, and, and that's my read on on the L.A. Keem situation. But don't look to, for them to be at the high end of the board in terms of the odds to win the Cup this year in Vegas. They uh, they have some work to do there. A uh, team that is going to be in the mix, though, is the next one that we'll talk about. That's the Minnesota Wild. They made a whole host of signings this offseason. Uh, some of them big names, some of them small, but they were busy. And they got the likes of Nicholas Svedberg agreeing to a one-year deal, Kyle Quincy on defense. Kyle Rao, uh, a guy who uh, was a college player of some note, is going to get another shot here. Landon Ferraro, Cal O'Reilly, these are guys who have been around the league for a couple of years now and looking to find a home there. Mike Riley signs a two-year deal, and uh, so a number of moves there. But this is a team that's that's ready to play now and ready to win now. I think they they just have a solid roster top to bottom, and I look for them to be in the mix all year long. And they have some latitude at the at the salary cap situation window because they've signed set while they've signed 17 players, they have 16 million dollars in space remaining so they have some work to do in terms of building the rest of their roster but i like the high end of this team the zach parise miko koivu are, are members of the 30 plus club in terms of their age but they've still got a lot of mileage left in the tank in my opinion based on what i saw last year eric stall found the fountain of youth there so there are three guys that are over 30 but the rest of the guys are in their mid-20s and and a pretty good mix of players here ryan Suter, one of the minute eaters around the nhl on defense also a factor and in 
in goal, you have to think that Devin Dubnik rates as one of the top goalies in the NHL. Uh, he's been that way the last couple of years. And so uh, a team that I think is, is ready, to, ready to win. And it'll be interesting to see how they fill out the rest of the roster, AJ. Yeah, they're going to spend a, a good amount of that uh, that sixty million left, I think, on, on Marcus Foligno, on Michael Granlin, and Nino Niederreiter, right. who are all restricted free agents. That'll eat up a good chunk of it, but uh, they do still need to put some pieces together. And let's not forget, you know, that it sounds like they've got plenty of room. Sounds like everything's going to go according to plan, but they're still going to uh, shell out two point five million for Thomas Vanek, who's not around anymore, uh, you know, from uh, his deal. So. I think uh, that cap space is going to go pretty quick when they sign those those last six spots. And uh, I think they're going to regret having had to buy out Thomas Vanek of his deal at some point uh, in the near future. But overall, Paul, I agree with your assessment. Uh, it starts, you know, from the net out with Devin Dubnik. And I think this is a team that's that's built for success this season. Moving on uh, to your hated rivals, the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, a couple, you know, significant changes there as well. Um, you know, Carl Alsner signs with them. Uh, Peter Holland, Byron Fries, so those aren't guys that are going to, uh, you know, blow up uh, the, the roster too much. They'll they'll add some solid depth uh, for their organization. Alice Hemsky comes over from Dallas. Joe Morrow up from Boston. Alex Galchenyuk gets a three-year deal. Uh, and so I think the bigger thing here uh, with them is the minuses, in my opinion. It sounds like Andre Markov is not going to be back. Uh, they've kind of moved on from him. Alexander Radulov is already in Dallas. Uh, I think losing Nikita Nesterov to the KHL is is a hit for them as well. Uh, and so I think there have been some pretty big changes to this team. They've got $9 million in cap space and only really one player to fill out. Uh, they need some, you know, probably an additional forward. They've got seven defensemen under contract right now. And so we'll we'll see what they end up doing with that, that $9 million. That's enough to make a big splash. You know, as I mentioned, there's some guys still out there, uh, mostly veterans, but, you know, Mike Fisher is still available. Uh, I've mentioned Drew Stafford in the past. Milan Michalik is is available as well. You've seen his play in, in uh, Detroit there. So there's some guys still available that they could use that $9 million on. And so it'll be interesting to shake out. Now, we do have to mention, as far as cap goes, you can't always just think to this year, Carey Price is going to get a $4 million bump when next season starts off. Uh, rather uh, the 1819 season so you know they probably want to hold back a little bit of space there uh, to account for that bump in next season so uh, a team that i think should still be in contention as they always seem to be uh, i'm not predicting a huge deep run from them i think there are some deficiencies on this team uh, especially in kind of the depth uh, scoring area uh, but when you have carry price between the nets you're never out of it so we'll see what it shakes out paul what do you think well, uh, first of all, losing uh, Radulov is a big blow for this team offensively. He was a game-breaker for them last year, scored a lot of important goals. When you look at what they brought in, Alex Hemsky is is light in terms of a replacement value. Out of $1 million, they're hoping that they catch lightning in a bottle. This guy's largely a one-way player. I don't think he fits into the way Montreal likes to play the game. They like people that are responsible at both ends of the ice. And, uh, of course, we haven't mentioned yet their signature addition in the offseason, Jonathan Drew comes over from Tampa I'm surprised that a division rival would would uh, like Tampa would allow this guy to go in their division 
he I expect him to be the signature player on this club but what he is is still undetermined for me I don't know how good this guy can be in the NHL he's not yet proven to be a point of game player and you need to have that at the high end of your roster right now that's a gaping hole Alex Galchenyuk was a reluctant re-signing in my opinion uh, by the Canadians they were trying to peddle him for much of the offseason it seemed and now they've got him locked up for the next three years but you did mention they have a lot of cap space left. You wonder if they're going to be a player in, in the sweepstakes for a guy like, like a Matt Duchesne or even next year with maybe a John Tavares. Uh, they've certainly got the space to put somebody in, and, and really they got to hit sooner rather than later because it's determined by the age of their goalie right now. Carey Price is 29 years old, and he's arguably the best goalie in hockey, paid like it now at 10.5. So you've got to think that Montreal is going to load up and try and take a shot at some point, and that to me smells like a big splash somewhere. I also didn't like their signing of Carl Alsner. I'll say $4.6 million, a lot of money to pay for a defensive defenseman, AJ, in my opinion. And uh, the Canadians, I don't know if they traded up by letting uh, Markov go, but you got to think that the birth certificate had something to do with that as well. They, they get a guy who's 10 years younger, largely capable of doing the same thing, but they're paying this guy too much money, in my opinion. AJ, the next team that we're looking at is the Nashville Predators. This is a team that battled your club for the Stanley Cup. Yeah, they uh, they definitely have uh, put some additional pieces together. Obviously, the big one that hurts the most is going to be Nick Benino. Uh, I did not uh, want to lose him. I understand uh, probably, you know, why a uh, cap situation, you know, we weren't going to be able to pay him the $4.1 million a year that he's going to get from Nashville. Um, but that's a great signing for them. I talked uh, at the top of the show about finding players on new teams in potentially better roles and uh, power play time. Nick Benino is a center, so that means he was never going to be more than a third-line guy in Pittsburgh uh, with Crosby and Malkin down the middle. And so here, I, I think he'll be a, a top-six center for them, probably on the second line. Uh, he'll get power play time. He'll get penalty kill time. So this guy is going to be on the ice a ton for Nashville. And so if you're looking for somebody on the upswing, I think Nick Benino is definitely right there. They brought in Scotty Hartnell. Uh, interesting goaltender situation here. So they brought in Anders Lindbach and Matt O'Connor. They are going to let Merrick Mazinek walk. He w- he started the season as a backup last year, and that quickly faded. Uh, they're they're going to they've waived him. So he's going to be let go. But they also have UC Saro. So a lot of questions about who's going to shake up to be the backup. Obviously, Pekka Rene is their their main go to guy. Now, this is also a team that's got almost three million dollars in buyout contracts. So that eats up a good amount of the cap. They do still have 20 million available, but four spots to go. And I think all four of those spots are going to be their restricted free agents still out there. That's Austin Watson, Ryan Johansson, who's going to take up a huge chunk of that money, obviously. Yeah. Pontus Aberg, Victor Arvison. I think those will be the four remaining contracts that they'll get. How it all shakes out, they've got plenty of space for it. But obviously, Ryan Johansson's going to eat up the biggest chunk of that. I think this is a team that will be in the same spot that they were last year. They could be right back in contention uh, for a deep postseason run, possibly even the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, it could be a repeat situation. I think both those teams could make it back, um, but there's going to be definite challengers along the way. Uh, I like how uh, Nashville stacks up. 
Paul, do you agree? I really like this team, and uh, you know what? I'm curious to see how Scott Hartnell fits in. Uh, this guy is at the lo- the latter part of his career, but he could be really fired up about joining a team that was this close to winning the Cup last year. Might be one of those missing ingredients. I wonder. Well, he loves to beat up on the Penguins, so he'll right. fit in perfectly for that's them. That's right. I like that aspect too. It's not. That's one of those intangibles that you got to factor in. They've got four RFAs among the forwards in Watson. Johansson, you mentioned, Aberg and Arvidsson that they're going to lock up. To me, I wonder if they're going to give uh, their their uh, captain from last year another shot. Does Mike Fisher get another contract out of them? Uh, that's kind of a nostalgic look at, at the roster for a second. But this is this team is rock solid. They've got a really deep defense. They added Alexi Emlin to the blue, this blue line mix. I'm surprised they, they went that route to add a defenseman of his quality to a, a deep mix already that includes the likes of Subban, Yossi, and Ekholm at the top end. So really a top four or five. Ryan Ellis as well. Uh, uh, this might be also a team that can be considered one of the deepest defense cores in the NHL. And of course, they got Pekarini in goal, 34 years of age. But believe me, he's got a lot of lot left in his uh, arsenal to to keep this team uh, up at the higher ranks where they were last year. And I I forecast another deep run into the season for them uh, as a strong contender. AJ, up next we'll take a look at the New Jersey Devils. This is a team that's building. I think better than I expected in the last couple of years. They, they're doing some smart things. One of them was uh, locking up Brian Boyle. I really like that signing for them. This guy not only uh, solidifies uh, the PK, the bottom end in terms of a good center of face-off winner, uh, one of the best in that regard, but I, I just like the way, the way this guy carries himself. He did so much for the Maple Leafs in the short time that he was with the club last season. Uh, I, I think he's in, like a coach on the ice for this team, and uh, with the youth that they've injected, the Devils are a team. They've only signed 15 players, but uh, they've got a lot of youngsters that factor into the mix, and uh, on defense, I really like Damon Severson. This is a guy they've got to get locked up. I think he could be a power play linchpin to work with Andy Green on the blue line on the in the nets. Corey Schneider's a guy that they're pinning their hopes on in net. He could be a real minute eater. Keith Kincaid a serviceable backup. So they got a decent situation situation in goal. I look for continued growth for Taylor from Taylor Hall as he finally gets over the Edmonton hangover to reclaim his role as one of the top wingers in, in hockey. But uh, they've got some holes up front, I think, that they need to fix. And, of course, it'll be interesting to see how first pick overall Nico Hishier factors in. And also we're looking for some development from Pavel Zaka. So two of the youngsters up uh, on the forward brigade should get some big-time minutes up front to see what they've really got there. Your thoughts on the Devils situation, A.J.? I think what they're going to do is use some of the young guys uh, that, you know, aren't uh, technically factoring into that that 15 uh, guys that are under their their 50 contract limit uh, that they're probably going to promote and and use that way. I look for guys like Miles Wood, uh, Steve Santini, both guys that could be uh, moved up, John Quenville. All these guys generally on uh, entry level contracts, they do have Marco Mueller. Uh, he's a restricted free agent. Blake Coleman, I think, is another one. So I think they're going to stack their lineup up with some of these younger guys, kind of figure out who sticks, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, Hersher, how that all plays out. And so I ultimately think this is going to be a very young team. I think they're prepared to, to not necessarily uh, win now or, or be a super uh, a quality team right out of the gates here. You know, they've got uh, some time left on Corey Schneider. He's only 31. They've got him locked up uh, for the foreseeable future. So I, I think they're not concerned about winning now. So I expect them to test 
a lot of that young talent and kind of see where that all shakes out. Heading over to uh, New York, we'll start with the Islanders. Obviously, the the big question here uh, that's been plaguing the NHL is John Tavares and what happens there. We'll we'll get into that a little more specifically later. As far as signings, not too much action there. They've got Seth Helgenson, uh, got a one-year deal. Chrisers Gudulewski and Christopher Gibson, both uh, goaltenders that will probably spend most of the year in the minors. I think as far as uh, restricted free agents, they still need to get locked up. Primarily, you're looking at Calvin DeHaan there, and I think ultimately they'll want to keep him. Uh, they've got $9 million in space, only three contracts to really fill out. Uh, the biggest thing, as you let off earlier, is Eberle coming in via trade. That's probably the biggest change, uh, whether that's enough to keep John Tavares around. Again, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit later. But as far as free agency goes, it's been pretty quiet for them. Uh, I think uh, they'll make uh, a few additional moves, but I don't expect much out of them. Uh, I know they should be in a win-now situation with Tavares, but it just seems like this team doesn't really know what its identity is, right. and, and their free agent signings uh, reflect that. Yeah, and then you look at the number of free agents that they have uh, on their roster. I would think they would like to take Thomas Hickey back into the mix, $2.2 million dollars. Uh, this year coming up and he's a ufa next year so they got to look at re-signing him uh but what what about a guy like a dehan like you said an rfa that i'd like to see them lock lock up again in the nets they got yarrow halak thomas grice uh, that's a coin coin flip for me now grice has kind of proven himself a little bit with extended shots at taking the goaltending range so that's one of the other areas that they got to sort out as well aj up front they have uh, a couple other guys that are going to be issues for them in the near future, p- potential UFAs. So the changeover for them, even after this season, is going to be significant. I, I, I just think it's too much turmoil. If I was a guy like a John Tavares, I'd say, you know what, this team just not is not getting it right. And so really the big question mark there and the direction that they go in is how they deal with their captain. And as you said, we'll touch on that at the end of the show. Uh, the New York Rangers is a team that uh, continues to tinker in a big way. Uh, they've added some uh, some uh, household names. The Kevin Shattenkirk, the big prize in free agency. You and I both were down on this guy in the postseason. Didn't really deliver the goods for Washington. Didn't look really great in the postseason, despite some pretty good math in, in the regular season. Had some big offensive numbers. They're looking for him to bolster a blue line that has Ryan McDonough in, it, in there and trying to get more scoring from their defense. Andre Pavlik is a guy who was on the outs in Winnipeg for the last couple of seasons. He'll find some work as a backup behind Henrik Lundqvist, kind of an insurance policy over the King and the Nets. And then up front, they added David Dayarnay as well. So they, that's the additions to this team. They, uh, they still have the veteran uh, Rick Nash and uh, some other signature players over there. But I, I uh, think this is a team that, that has got to get a new direction in the next year or two, AJ. Uh, they've signed 21 players. They've got $8 million in cap space. I don't like the makeup of this team. I don't like the loss of, of uh, Derek Stepan, for instance, last season. So at the end of last season in this offseason. So I, I think they're poised for a backward step unless I miss my guess. What about you? What's your read on this club? I actually think they're going to be all right. Uh, you know, they're obviously moving to, to a bit younger. Uh, they didn't want to take the hit of getting rid of Stepan and Nash all at once. Uh, so Nash becomes the, the unquestioned... Uh, uh, veteran among the forwards at 33 
David Desjardins is the is 30. And other than that, everybody else on their forward lineup is in their 20s. Uh, they're a pretty young team now. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist obviously is is up there, but he's got plenty left in the tank. I'm, I'm not worried about him. I think Pavel Sack will make a great backup for them. Uh, I think he was, you know, kind of much maligned in, in Winnipeg and especially the situation there. They, they kept trying to give Helberg uh, the job there and he just hasn't taken the reins. And, and, you know, they had Hutchinson, too. They they really couldn't decide what they wanted to do there. I think he'll be much more comfortable backing up Henrik Lundqvist, knowing what his responsibilities are, knowing what his job is. Uh, is he a true replacement for anti Ranta? I'm not sure. We'll see how Ranta shakes out uh in the in the desert but ultimately i actually think the makeup of this team is pretty solid i mean even if you look at their blue line stall and uh holden are the veterans there at just 30 years old that is the silver lining on kevin shattenkirk he's still only 28 despite the fact it seems like he's been in the league for 20 years already uh so i i think they're going to be all right they got jasper fast locked in on a a three-year deal so the really the one thing hanging out there is mika zabinajad and they'll use some of that $7 million. I'm guessing probably three to four of that will go to Mika Zabinajad before uh, free agency in the start of next season. Uh, Ottawa, on the flip side, they've uh, made some, some interesting moves, I think. I, I'm not sure uh, much how you weren't sure how you felt about the Rangers moves. I'm not really sure how I feel about Ottawa. Uh, Nate Thompson comes in. Uh, Chris Drager, as, as far as goaltending. Uh, Jean Gabriel Pajot comes in on a three-year deal. That's good for them to lock him in. Uh, he was heading for, for arbitration, but they'll head that off at the pass. They've still got Ryan Dringle out there as a restricted free agent. Uh, I'm just not sure how I feel about some of their moves. I do like getting uh, Mike Condon locked in uh, to, to a longer-term deal. I think he'll, he served them well as a backup last year. Uh, but they've got about seven million left, seven and a half million left, and, and three spots to go. And as I said, I think Dringo will take up a little bit of that. So there's some questions as to how they're going to fill out the rest of this. I wonder if you might have some answers for him, Paul. Well, the the thing that really hung over them most of the offseason to date is Dion Phaneuf's unwillingness to be exposed in the uh, Las Vegas draft. That really ha- handcuffed uh, the Ottawa team. And I think also they were handcuffed in a in a, in a neat feel-good story with Craig Anderson's situation, too, in goal, uh, preventing them from keeping two younger guys in the net. Certainly, I love the, the Condon addition, but Anderson's now 36 years of age, faced a lot of rubber in his life, and you just wonder he had a magical season last year can he repeat that in the last year of a 4.2 million dollar cap hit uh, certainly the defense core is uh, all revolving around eric carlson Fenuf uh, dialed back the clock and played some of his best hockey for them uh, but beyond that uh, i i am a, a little concerned about the depth of their of their blue line this is a team that will go only as far as as the goalie and uh, top-end defenseman will take them, I think. They've got some question marks up front, uh, a fairly ordinary and uninspired offensive group, in my opinion. Kyle Tours, certainly a capable scorer, but not a guy that you would classify as an elite center. Bobby Ryan, best of the lot at winger. Mike Hoffman is another serviceable guy. Beyond that, though, it's a bunch of names that really don't don't scare me. And, uh, uh, you know, they had a pretty nice uh, playoff run, but I don't see that repeating in a, by a long shot. 
a team that uh, looking, is looking for better days, too, is the Philadelphia Flyers. They certainly had the, the second pick in the draft, and they picked up uh, Patrick. Uh, and I think he's going to get a shot to play right away, AJ. This is one of the, the young young forwards who's going to get a shot out of this year's draft pool. Not only, I think it's going to be different than last year. We won't have this, the number of uh, rookie cla- high upperclassmen that, uh, that make the grade, but he'll be one that gets a shot. Uh, they took uh, Brian Elliott uh, in the fold, and I, I don't think that's a great addition in terms of their goalie mix. They just seem to never get it right in the nets in Philadelphia for my my money, AJ. I've been talking about the, this deficiency for 20 years in fantasy shows, it seems, <laughs> uh, going back to pe- the late Pelly Lindbergh. They really have never filled in adequately back there, and so uh, as, lo- as long as they don't get that right, I think they're they're going to be a lim- in a limbo kind of stage, uh, and that really kind of tells uh, seals their fate for me. What do you say about the Philadelphia Flyers from your perspective? I think their goaltending went from bad to worse, (laughs) bringing in Brian Elliott. He's not the answer. Now you've got Michael Newberth back. You know, both these guys, they're making about the same amount. Elliott's uh, 2.75. Michael Newberth is 2.5. So now we've got Newberth splitting time again, which they've shown last year. Neither him nor Steve Mason benefited from the split time thing. It's the same thing we saw in Dallas with Niemi and Lettinen is these split goaltending situations for guys just don't seem to work out. You need to just give it to one guy and and let him do his thing. And I don't think Brian Elliott is the answer. I've been pushing for Anthony Stolarz for a long time. They locked him into another, another deal. But as far as uh, my fandom goes, if they want to keep Anthony (laughs) Stolarz on the bench down in the minors, that's fine by me. But I think he's the best goaltender they have in their system. Uh, otherwise, uh, most of their moves haven't really been free agency. It's been the trade moves. They brought in Jory Laterra, uh, Valtteri Filpula as well. Uh, both decent guys, uh, but I think their cap hits are a little bit high for their production. Filpula is a $5 million. Uh, Laterra is 4.7. So I don't really love uh, how, they're, how they're spending that money. It, it does seem like they're trying to build for now, despite the fact that they had the the pick and in nolan patrick and i I think they should be trying to put some younger pieces around him uh because i don't think he's ultimately going to be a franchise saving type caliber player that you see in like a connor mcdavid i I think he'll be good he'll probably be good for for most of his career i just don't think he's going to be you know a guy that can really solo take a team and so i think uh they need to put some better pieces around him especially in goal Uh, So that's kind of my breakdown of that team. But we'll head to the other side of Pennsylvania and go to the Pittsburgh Penguins. I got to be honest, Paul, I don't like a a good number of of the deals that uh, really that they put out there. I'm not sold on on Antti Niemi as a backup goaltender. (laughs) You know, I don't like that. Um, I I do, you know, obviously uh, freeing up some cap space by, uh, you know, sending Flurry to Vegas. I, I think that'll work for them. This will really be the first test of Matt Murray. Now, he's put up phenomenal numbers, but he's never been that go-to 82-game, well, not 82-game, but 60, you know, 50, 60-game yeah, yeah. uh, season player. And so I, I have some serious question marks there. Uh, not question marks, but I just want to see how it shakes out. Can he make that step and be a full-time uh, netminder? We just haven't seen that yet. They haven't gotten Connor Sheary signed yet. Brian Dumoulin still hanging out there. I think the only good move that they made so far is getting Justin Schultz locked in at 5.5 million. Uh, but with 10 million left in space, uh, I really think they should have taken a harder run at keeping, 
Nick Benino, especially. Yeah. Uh, maybe even uh, Chris Kunitz. He's always been kind of a depth guy for, for us the last couple of years. Uh, Trevor Daly, obviously losing him. Now, I know those guys have taken, you know, big contracts and, and maybe there's a, a plan here, but 10 million in space to lose those guys seems like too much for me. It's not like we're saving up for, you know, a big contract. Crosby's locked in for, you know, <laughs> through the 23, 24 season. You've got Malkin and Kessel locked in through 21, 22. And so I just don't see. Uh, where all this money is being saved. Now, Sheeran Dumoulin will take some of that, obviously. Um, I would have liked to see him get rid of Carl Hagelin. His $4 million contract is not uh, production, not equal to the production on the ice. No. Uh, so I, I'm not in love with the moves that they made. The rest of their signings have been mostly death got, depth guys. I like Jars Archibald, uh, you know, getting him back under contract. Derek Pulak could have been let go he's just really never panned out so i'm i'm not in love with the moves i i do think ultimately pittsburgh has gotten worse um based on the free agent moves at the end of the day you still have malkin crosby and kessel so we're not going to be a bad team but are we as good as we were last year i think the resounding answer in my opinion is no Paul, do you uh, see the same thing? Well, first of all, I got to give you credit for call, uh, taking off the rose-colored glasses and and sticking by your opinion of Niemi, because I I tell you, I had a belly laugh when when I saw that <laughs> signing, and I thought, is this going to become one of one of AJ's favorite players? But certainly, you stood by what you said last year, and I think you're right on the money there. Matt Murray has to, has lost his security blanket of Mark Andre Fleury, as you said, so it'll be largely dependent on whether he is capable of continuing to play at the level that he's shown. Remarkable start to his career two stanley cups before he loses his rookie status that's unprecedented in hockey history and just speaks to the the quality of what's gone on around him this defense shocked me last year aj they got a no-name brand beyond chris letang who didn't even play in the playoffs and yet they pull off the cup i'm hoping to see letang come bounce back that'll be a big plus maybe the biggest plus that this team gets and when looking at the roster and looking ahead to next season. So that's that's where I think you got your, your biggest hopes. And I was shocked also to hear that Phil Kessel's name is in, in the rumor mill, possibly being dealt. I would like to see him stay where he is. He couldn't be asking for a better role than to be the number three gun uh, behind Balkan and Crosby. That's right where he fits in. He, he's not a signature player on a team, but a quality, serviceable guy. And they've got him at a pretty good discount considering the capability that he possesses. Of course, my Maple Leafs paying $1.2 million of his $8 million. Yeah, thanks for that, by yeah, the way. You're welcome, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> the San Jose Sharks up next. Joe Thornton returns to this club, but Patrick Marlowe moves on to greener pastures. That's the headline moves here. And beyond that, some fringe moves around the this team uh, it tells me that they they think they have another run in them uh, based on the fact they've kept jumbo joe in the fold they weren't ready to do a complete rebuild yet and uh, I, I, they have five players to to sign they they have 18 signed so i'm interested to see where this team goes from here but really uh, not too many signi- significant additions i'm concerned also about the fact that brett burns had a pretty ordinary second half of the season last year and uh, wonder if he can rebound for a full season he did win the norris trophy but he had an incredible start to the year last year that kind of uh, allowed him to 
to survive a, a poor a poorer second half by his standards and uh, in goal Martin Jones one of the revelations over the last couple of years went for a backup now he's proven to be a frontline goalie they got him on the cheap though long term and that might be something that gives him a lot of latitude down the line when you consider only a 5.7 million dollar cap hit for a, one of the league's top goalies so uh, it's more of the same from from the Sharks from my perspective what about you? Well, I think the only big thing that I'll mention is I, I think they made the wrong choice if they could only get one of Marlowe or Thornton. Yeah, I, th- I think they should have tried harder to get Marlowe. Uh, certainly, they've got $9 million left. Uh, $8 million is going to Jumbo Joe. I can't imagine Marlowe wanted much more than that. Maybe it was years yeah. that they were concerned about. But I, I think if they only could get uh, you know one of the two, I think they made the wrong choice. Uh, in taking Jumbo Joe over Marlowe. Now, over the course of their careers, obviously uh, Thornton's been phenomenal, and he'll, I think he'll still produce. But if you're looking at just next season, ignoring kind of the history on it, I think they made the wrong choice between those two players. Uh, heading to St. Louis, uh, they are another team that really has not done much of anything in, in free agency here. Uh, just a handful of, of signings, and most of it's been uh, kind of fringe guys. They brought Thorburn in from uh, the Jets, Bo Bennett, uh, the off-injured uh, winger from uh, the Devils, and then Oscar Sunquist over from Pittsburgh. So all three of those guys kind of just minor league uh, or fringe uh, players. Other than that, they haven't really changed much here. Uh, so I'm not really sure. Uh, that this team's going to look much different than they did last year. I think there's some question marks on this team. They didn't, uh, in, in my opinion, live up to their expectations last year. So if they can get that uh, under control, they've got seven and a half ish available with one uh, kind of spot to fill out. So I think this team's pretty much set with how they're going to look. Uh, Colton Pareko's their one uh, restricted free agent that I think they'll get under contract. He won't eat up all of that $7.5 no. by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, we'll see how it all shakes out there. But not a ton of moves. It seems like they're pretty happy with what they got. I mentioned Kenny Augustino at the top. I think he's the biggest loss for them. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, uh, same team, same result, you think, Paul? I, I like the addition of Braden Shen. This is a guy that we should talk about a little bit here. He, he kind of like is another version of Alex Steen. That's just a, t- a prototype player for the St. Louis team. Adding Shen, I think, is going to be a big deal for this club. I really like that move. Certainly, they take a hit on, the, hit on the blue line, losing Kevin Shattenkirk. Now they're down to really two significant, well, one significant offensive threat from the blue line. Maybe two if they get Pareko signed. But this is a team that's taken a hit on the blue line the last couple of years now they got the likes of Bowmeister, Gunnarsson, Bortuzzo and Edmondson none of those guys and it is a high-end scoring type uh, or even a solid puck mover from the blue line uh, maybe with the exception of Bowmeister. so uh, that's where I think they take the biggest hit here and uh, uh, if they get things right offensively though and, and uh, more work more good work from Jake Allen this team could still be a, a solid contender in the, in the west but they're still certainly a notch below some of the other guys out there uh, they, they've, ta- they've taken a bit of a step backwards overall, as you implied. Uh, the Tampa Lightning, AJ, this is a team I got to give a nod to Steve Eiserman. I've done it a couple of times. A remar- remarkable job that he's done in reshaping this roster and keeping uh, all their key guys under the salary cap. They added veteran Dan Girardi, Chris Kunitz. I love those moves in terms of bringing in some veteran leadership. Jamie McBain gets a one-year deal. Uh, Matthew Pekka also re- joins the squad. 
But uh, I, and I think they're a solid contender for the the division flag in the Atlantic Division. So uh, I, I like what Steve Eisenman's done in a big way. Uh, kept Steve, Steve Stankhouse happy. Keeping him healthy is the other issue that maybe determines just how good this team can be. So that's my slant on this thing, a real deep squad that, that has largely kept in place. A remarkable job of working with the salary cap by, by the GM. Yeah, the biggest two moves for them are, are Andre Pallad and Tyler Johnson. Yeah. Uh, not breaking the bank to get either one. They got uh, Johnson on a seven-year deal, Pallad on a five-year deal. So uh, great moves to get them on a contract for for relatively a manageable amount. Uh, then uh, we'll head over to the Maple Leafs, who have uh, some cap uh, questions that I think will be resolved by long-term IR. Yeah, definitely. Um, but they bring in uh, a couple backup slash minor league uh, goaltending options in uh, Curtis McElhinney and Garrett Sparks, both uh, two-year deal. They bring in Ron Hainsey from Pittsburgh. Uh, you mentioned Dominic Moore off the, uh, earlier in the show. Uh, obviously, the big one here is Patrick Marlowe comes in, and they got him at, at 6.25. Uh, now, it was a three-year deal for a 37-year-old, but he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down, so I think he should be a solid addition and then obviously zach hyman as well uh so this team really taking advantage i think of the fact that you know matthews nylander marlowe or uh, marner excuse me are all under their ecls and so paying all three of those guys less than three million dollars uh and they've you know taken advantage of that as you said they're still paying phil kessel uh some money and they've also got some uh, buyout contracts with Tim Gleason and Jared Cowan. So that's eating up a little bit of their cap, which is why they're showing up as $4 million under. Uh, but Nathan Horton and Joffrey Lupul are both going to be on long-term IR, and that'll create almost $10.5 in space there. So uh, just a quick rundown of the team. But overall, Paul, how do you think they're going to look? Well, I, I look forward to being in my season seat holder location <laughs> and enjoying the development of this team, the growth. They've only got one RFA of any consequence that's unsigned, and that's Connor Brown. But you mentioned after the impact of long-term IR, they're going to have lots of cash to bring him in. And I'm, not think, I'm thinking their moves are not done for the offseason. I'm curious to know what the fate is of one James Van Riemsdyk. It's been long rumored that this guy is going to be moved at some point. Uh, the addition of... Uh, Marlowe seemed to seal that fate, but if they can manage to keep him in the fold, you wonder what they might get for him at the trade deadline because he is a pending UFA. Bozak's in the same boat and Komarov in the same boat. I'm pretty sure of the three, Komarov has the greater likelihood of being re-signed. Bozak probably second because he, he's a, a cost-efficient uh, centerman in the mix behind Kadri and, and uh, Matthews gives him a real deep top three and then Dominic Moore a nice fit on the fourth line we talked about him before his second go around with the Leafs they got him for a million bucks and if this is his swan song he couldn't have picked a much better place to land I gotta think but I'm excited about the future of this team they locked up defenseman Nikita Zaitsev on a long-term deal that was also cost effective from a salary cap point of view when you realize he locked a ton of minutes here for this team played a lot of power play comes in at 4.5 million dollars he's only scratched the surface of what he's capable of in the NHL I think they're looking to see if Jake Gardner of last year is the real deal or is it the guy that that was uh, stumbling around for them the previous couple so there are some question marks for me on this team but I like the direction they're going in in a big way uh, Freddie Anderson proved that he could be a minute eater in the nets McElhenney worked with him well with him and I think that was a large reason why he was brought back into the fold a guy who did play in the 
in the playoff clinching game over your Pittsburgh Penguins, I might add, AJ. There's a shot across <laughs> the ball. The first, first one of the offseason. So, uh, yeah, things are on the up and up for the Maple Leafs. Pretty excited about their future. The Vancouver Canucks, look, at this is a team that's in stuck in uh, limbo. They're at the low end of the standings. They signed uh, pedestrian defenseman Michael Del Zotto, pedestrian forward Sam Gagne, Anders Nelson, another guy who fits that mold. Alex Bermistrov could be an interesting pickup for them, a guy who's failed elsewhere. Patrick Weirkoch, a guy who had a lot of time in Ottawa and is as touted as an offensively talented player probably gets the best chance of the lot to uh, improve his uh, his lot I'll say going forward but this is a team that has a hell of a lot of work to do and uh, they're in uh, serious rebuild mode from my perspective do you agree with that assessment AJ yeah they're prepping for a rebuild because uh, really it doesn't start until the 2018-19 season when the Sedins and their 14 million dollars comes off Uh, once that's taken care of you'll, you'll see a lot of changes here I mean if you look at their lineup now They've got uh, five guys that uh, after, you know, after this upcoming season will end up as restricted free agents. They've got another five that will be unrestricted free agents. And so I think they're kind of just biding their time, waiting to, to, you know, get rid of those guys basically and rebuild from there. So I'll, I'll kind of just leave it at that. I do want to just point out one kind of interesting thing. They're still uh, paying a little bit of Roberto Luongo's salary, not much to break the bank. <laughs> But they're going to be paying 800000 of that salary through the 21-22 season. Uh, so just kind of an interesting factoid there. We'll head to our newest team, the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, obviously, everything on this team is new. And so I'll kind of just touch on where they're at overall. Um, they've actually got 26 players uh, counting against their roster size. They've got $5 million in space. You got a couple guys that will end up on long-term IR, and David Clarkson and, and Mikhail Grabowski. Um, I expect both of those guys will be on long-term IR. Look, this team building for the future, in my opinion. They've got some pieces here that I think they're going to be better than a lot of people think. I expect Vegas to finish ahead of Vancouver, uh, no doubt, possibly ahead of Arizona and Colorado as well. So I don't think they're going to be a bottom uh, barrel team. The kind of one unfinished business that I think they do have is getting Nate Schmidt signed. He's a restricted free agent. Uh, They brought him in. Um, But having Marc-Andre Fleury in the Nets, I think, will make them a solid team uh, heading forward. They they won't be as bad as everybody expects. But really, uh, they've kind of just put together a team that will be decent on the ice. And then they can worry about, you know, compiling those draft picks, building for the future and and looking, uh, you know, at their AHL affiliate, really. Yeah, I, I think that this team's offense is going to be centered around the likes of James Neal and Riley Smith. They pl- managed to pluck two guys that are capable of 30-plus goal scorers. David Perron, another guy who should be good for over 20. And you wonder if Cody Eakin can dial back to when he had a great run in Dallas for about a half season as a top-end offensive contributor as well. So they have some pieces there that, that will be responsible for putting the puck in the net. And another one that I'm curious to see is how Vadim Shipachov fits into this mix, a guy that they got from the KHL, 30 years of age, looking for an opportunity to get top six minutes in the NHL. He's founded in Vegas. So offensively, they've got a shot to, to score some goals. And defensively, they got some guys who will be interesting to look at. Jason Garrison, one of the best shots from the point in the, net, in the blue lines. Brigade, J- Braden McNabb, another guy who has a howitzer of a shot. So two big guns back there. Colin Miller, a speedy defenseman, and another guy with a hard shot. So they got some riflemen on the, on the, on the points and the defensive brigade uh, if they keep all three of these guys and some 
along with some of the other guys back there. I'm also curious to see what kind of a workload Fleury gets. He's ably supported by Calvin Pickard, who has been long regarded as a pro uh, prospect of some quality. He's 25 years old. It's almost time for him to put up or shut up, though. And, and I think at some point the, the Knights will want to look and see what they have here because uh, Fleury is 32 years of age, certainly locked up for this year and next year. So there's some hope here. I like what they've done, and uh, they even made some smart moves to pick up more draft picks. So the future is uh, well mapped out by, for this team, and I think they're, they're going to get a real good boost uh, that other expansion clubs really didn't with the way that they were brought into the league. Now, your arch rivals, AJ, this merits a little bit of conversation. They have had a bit of a makeover here. They signed Evgeny Kuznetsov to a big dollar deal, eight years at 62.4 million. Brett Connolly re-signs. John Albert signed a one-year deal. Devontae Smith-Pelly, an interesting addition for some size and toughness. Andre Burakovsky signs a $2 million, two-year, $6 million extension. Anthony Peluso's brought back on board. In a surprise move, I, I, I'm surprised that they were able to retain Philip Grubauer. I thought he was a lock to go to Las Vegas, too. So... Some good moves by the Caps. This is a team that's all, still going to be in contention, but it's uh, what did they lose in, in uh, seeing Justin Williams depart? This guy was a game-breaker for them. They did not retain Kevin Shattenkirk, so they agreed with our assessment that he wasn't the be-all and the end-all. Kind of exposes their blue line, though, for me, because the likes of uh, Niskanen, Orpik, Orlov, Carlson, and uh, Chorney. I mean, Carlson should be a top-end defensive producer for a while. Niskanen should be as well. But beyond that, the other three guys are kind of... Uh, you know, second-tier, third-tier guys. Orloff, they're looking for big things. They signed him for big dollars as well. So uh, they'll definitely be in the mix, but I don't think they really helped themselves this offseason. Do you? No, I don't think so either. I mean, there have been uh, rumblings for a while that they were going to try and get rid of that Bricks Orpic deal. He's $5.5 over the next two years. He's 36. I think the biggest concern is they only have 17 players under contract right now and only four million in space there's not any guys that, at least as far as we know uh, that could potentially be on long-term ir to free up some cap space so you have to wonder if they're just going to fill that out with a couple of their you know non-roster guys some of their minor league guys a uh, uh, Jakob vrana could be in the mix uh, you look at maybe uh, chandler stevenson liam o'brien are, are potential guys that they could call up uh, Tyler Grayovac, who was in uh, in Minnesota formerly, so they they got some some guys that they can fill up the lineup with. But I do agree, I think they've gotten worse, uh, not better. And our last team on the list will head to Winnipeg. Uh, always the forgotten team, uh, <laughs> both alphabetically and because they were bad for so long. But I think things are looking up here. No secret here, uh, I'm not a fan of the Steve Mason signing for them. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think uh, that's kind of a, an insurance plan. They got to get Hellybuck under contract. He's still a restricted free agent, but he's their presumptive number one. Uh, what that means for Michael Hutchinson, I don't really know. I think the big signing here for them is going to be uh, Dmitry Kulikov to the three-year deal. Uh, he comes over, should bolster that blue line a little bit more, although they do have plenty of talent there. Uh, you know, they've got some youngsters in Julia Melitore and Josh Morrissey. Uh, who could compete for time, but they've got Enstrom, Myers, uh, Kulikov now, and of course, Dustin Bufflin on that blue line. Uh, the rest of their signings mostly just filling out their bottom six, Brandon Tanev, uh, Andrew Kopp, uh, Michael Scarabosa. So, uh, you know, there's not uh, not too many questions left here. Uh, they're actually over on, on roster size. I think that'll get fixed when Michael Hutchinson goes down. They've still got $9 million in space. 
uh, and they might just hold on to that. They've got a bunch of guys that will need to be resigned next season. Uh, and so to spend it all on somebody now that kind of sets them up uh, poorly for next season. So I don't expect too many more moves from there. I think they should be a contention team. Uh, Patrick Line should uh, burst out uh, even further than he did last season. They've got Shifley, Wheeler, uh, Little. So I think this is a team on the up, depending on what happens in goal. If Hellybuck continues to struggle, uh, they could uh, see you know them making a move at the trade deadline, maybe for a Philip Grubauer or somebody like that. Uh, that's kind of what I see from Winnipeg. I, th- I think you probably are along the same boats, Paul. Yeah, I was really scratching my head with the Mason signing. I thought that they'd pin their hopes with, on Hutchison and Hellybuck and get, if they needed a third guy, they could have saved that $4 million and really helped themselves elsewhere. But you look at the size that they've amassed on that blue line, Bufflin, Myers, and Kulikov, three of the biggest defensemen all on one roster. Truba has also been rumored to be a, a trade chip that they might look at down the road, but because he's one year away from RFA status. So there's some moves, I think, that need to be made still in the offing. Next year, they face a whole raft of RFAs, and so uh, it'll be interesting to see how they navigate those waters. But certainly at the top end of their lineup, again, at the forward ranks, they have some big guys in Shifley and Wheeler and Lyonne. So really, size is what it's all about in, in Winnipeg. They kind of buck the trend and not worrying, uh, uh, not concerned about looking at guys that are under six feet tall and maybe less than 200 pounds. Maybe that's to their detriment because there's a lot of smallish guys that have excelled elsewhere in the league, AJ. So time will tell if the blueprint works out in Winnipeg. Uh, before we close out the show, we want to give a nod to our friends at FanDuel, though. Uh, we want to remind everybody that we're enjoying the baseball season like crazy. Fantasy baseball is there for every fan, everyday fans. There's new contests that start every day. There's no busted seasons at all. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and compete against other teams. We certainly went through a pretty nice run with our FanDuel, uh, uh, our in-house league uh, up leading up to the big prize uh, before the All-Star break, but there's more games to play in the second half. And we'll remind you that the new this year, there's an upgraded experience with late swap contests. You can edit your players right up to the start time in the individual games. There's no more worrying about late lineup scratches or a sudden storm. And non-late swap contests are still available, too. Updated scoring means that there's quality starts added to your pitcher score, which means more control over their performance. You really got to get the pitcher right, AJ, to succeed. We enjoyed the friends mode, particularly with the creation of a league for our, our group, and we invite everybody to do the same over the second half of the year. You can choose the days you play each week. Contests will be created automatically, plus a leaderboard will keep track of how you stack up against each other and the all-important bragging rights. And uh, AJ, I know we had the, the football draft in Vegas. Uh, why don't you tell us about your football squad and, and the experience of becoming part of another staff league? Well, I, I felt great about it uh, until a couple of days ago. I, I had the second overall pick in, in my section, and I took uh, your Dallas Cowboy, Zeke Elliott, but now uh, some suspension talks rooming. Uh, but I went Zeke Elliott, Leonard Fournette, and Aaron Rodgers in my first three picks. Uh, I like all those guys. I did uh, stack up Rodgers with uh, Martellus Bennett uh, with his tight end. So I felt real good a couple of days ago. If, if Zeke's suspension is only a game or two, I think I'll be all right. Um, but I certainly could have done without that. Uh, Paul, I know I gave you a hard time at the draft, um, but I thought your team looked pretty well. Uh, how, do, how do you think? I'm pretty excited about AJ. I mean, uh, there's not a lot of prep time for me uh, in terms of the NFL uh, draft that we hold. It's kind of early, but uh, I, I think I got a pretty good squad. I picked that Brady guy at quarterback. Uh, I think he's due for another one more good year at least I think Uh, but I'll caution my listeners the last time I picked this guy was a few years ago when he 
when he suffered a season-ending injury in the first quarter oh, of a no. game. And uh, so I'm hoping that that history doesn't repeat. But on the, on the running back situation, I'm pretty happy with my lot. I, m- I picked up Melvin Gordon, who's an underrated guy, in my opinion, who is, uh, is a guy that gets a lot of touches close to the goal line. And that means big points uh, in addition to the fact that he factors into the passing game. I think that's a real good uh, key factor in terms of your drafts. You've got to pick a guy who not only runs the ball well, but also catches it out of the backfield effectively. So that's a part of uh, a key part of my offense there. I also picked up Des Bryant offensively and John Brown and Brashad Perryman. Looking at guys who factor in at the top end of their depth charts on the receiver core, I picked Jordan Reed, who is a focal point with with the Washington offense at tight end. Dan Bailey at uh, kicker, you got to call him one of the more reliable guys in the history of the game, so that's why I grabbed him. And on defense, I locked up the top defense on the board. That's Denver Broncos. I don't see how you could have criticized this roster at all, AJ. <laughs> I, I really didn't uh, didn't uh, think it was too bad. Just wanted to give you a hard time. <laughs> nice. Well, we remind our listeners that we've had a lot of fun playing the FanDuel games, and we remind you that fantasy ha- have all the fun that fantasy and baseball has to offer. Fa- at FanDuel, you can be sports rich. Sign up today. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. There's a special offer for new users that continues to be in place. Deposit today, and you'll get a free six-month RotorWire subscri- subscription plus five free entries. That's up to 50 dollars in value to try a variety of sports on FanDuel. That's FanDuel.com slash RW. And remind you, we remind you to listen to our podcast on Monday to Friday where we break down the baseball schedule on a daily basis. I do the work on Wednesdays with John John McKechnie, and we've been a partnership for a couple of years, so we really got that down pat, we think, and we give great value plays every Wednesday, and uh, our listenership continues to grow because we have a lot of fun on that show, and I think it translates very well, just like on this episode, AJ, and others that we do on the podcast. Now, uh, before we sign off, though, we haven't, we're not going to do a stud and a rant, but we're going to talk a little bit about the biggest remaining name in the news in the hockey world this offseason. That's John Tavares, who's playing out his last year of his contract next year. What do you think happens here, AJ? I honestly think he's not going to resign, and I think they will try to find a way to trade him at the deadline. Uh, I think that's going to be a tough sell, though, because nobody is going to want to give up what the Islanders think he is worth. Uh, I don't think he wants to be back with them based solely on the lack of talent around him. I don't think Jordan Eberle suddenly fixes the situation for him where he's like, oh, this is a team that's going to win now. Um, So I think he wants to win, and I just don't think it's going to happen with the Isles anytime soon. So I don't expect him to re-up, and so I think the the fear of losing him for nothing uh, will force them to trade him at the deadline. You know what? I think the they have to do everything they can to sign this guy. If they don't, it's going to cost their front office their, all their jobs. I think you're looking at a clean sweep and a complete rebuild and makeover if they don't get this right. And if they do trade him, they better get a mother, mother load of assets in return. But this is going to be a key to uh, a lot of paychecks uh, maybe ceasing in the front office and uh, and the fan base is really uh, on pins and needles to see how this turns out AJ so uh, we'll watch it closely the rest of this offseason to see if anything develops but I like you think that this could play out over the next uh, next season as well and that doesn't bode well for this team they're just a team that continues to spin their wheels for me and a team that I don't worry about in the in the Eastern Conference when I think about the fortune of my club the Maple Leafs vis-a-vis this uh, uh, mixed-up group that runs the Islanders. So uh, a sad state of affairs on uh, what once was one of the league's linchpin franchises. 
All right. Well, that wraps it up for this week's podcast. We've covered uh, the 30 and 30. We took a long while to do so, but it's important to go through the depth and, and the changes and the signings, and we needed to do it uh, as, uh, as long as this episode has taken. I think we gave out some good information. We'll remind you to remember our comments and questions. Uh, you can send them to us. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. We ask you to look out for Podcast Hockey Pod every week so you get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contests. So long, everybody. (laughs) 